he looked at me, you know, in this very sweet, tender, crying look. Tears were in his eyes. So he was saying goodbye without the words. That was the sound of Maury Schwartz, the Maury of Tuesdays with Maury. I am Mitch Album, the author of that book and the host of the podcast that you've been kind enough to tune into, Tuesday People, which is inspired by the book Tuesdays with Maury, the lessons I learned alongside my old college professor as he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, and lessons that are still being taught in schools today around the world, lessons that still resonate with me in my life and hopefully with yours. And we're going to talk about one of those today alongside as always, is my friend and producer of this podcast, Lisa Goitsch. Lisa, nice to have you here. Happy to be here and happy to be your friend, Mitch. You're feeling better, <laughs> I hope? I am feeling a little bit better, yes. Good. And thank you, by the way, to all of the listeners who have been um, reaching out and asking how I'm feeling. <laughs> well, that's nice. Feeling well, that's what happens better. when you talk about it on a podcast, yeah. Everybody I know. knows. Knock on wood. For better or for worse. I'm knocking on wood. Have you that's ever fine. wondered... I'm an open book. Have you ever wondered what your last words will be. What will be the final sentence that you will utter here on earth? And has it mattered to you? Have you thought about, boy, I want to go out with something memorable. I want to say something that my loved ones will be able to pass on from generation to generation. I don't want to leave this world kicking and screaming. I don't want my last sentence to be, as Lisa just joked around just before we started the show, ouch my arm. That would be bad. Uh, What do you want your last words to be? Does that matter to you? Well, it is an interesting thing, and it's something that Maury and I talked uh, about while we were visiting together. And uh, I want to talk with you today about our last conversation between he and I, and the, the fact that when you think these are your last words, you may be surprised at how they are not. Now, let me share with you some supposed famous last words before I tell you what Maury shared with me the last time we met. Beethoven supposedly said, friends applaud, the comedy is finished. Oh, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Wow. That's Again, better than ouch my arm. It's, right. It's mythological, <laughs> may be true, may not be true, who knows. But supposedly, supposedly, uh, let's see, Nostradamus, supposedly in the 16th century, was found dead the morning after uttering, tomorrow I shall no longer be here. Well, that proved to be prophetic. Well. Humphrey Bogart, <laughs> the actor, supposedly said, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. <laughs> yeah. Winston Churchill supposedly said at age 90, after a lifetime of public service and being you know, a world figure, said, I'm bored with it all. Hmm. Interesting way to go out. Um, Guess it's time to leave. Well, yeah. And uh, Marie Antoinette, as she was on the scaffold about to be hanged, Uh, reportedly stepped on the foot of the executioner and apologized to him and said, pardon me, sir, I meant not to do it. (gasps) And uh, shortly after was hanged. Wow. These are just a few examples of people who have gone down in history with 
famous last words. I remember once going to Maury and, and asking him what he wanted on his tombstone, which is one of the ways that you can sort of say goodbye to the world with uh, Mm -hmm. a sentence that you want. And he contemplated it. At the time, I had read a story, and the reason that I had asked him about it is I read a story about Ted Turner, who at the time uh, owned, of course, uh, uh, CNN and and many other projects and money and things like that, Turner Broadcasting System and all that. And somehow there was a story in the newspaper uh, and they were asking him about buying a network. I think he was trying to buy CBS or something at the time. I don't remember. And somehow the reporter asked him, well, why is it so important for you to buy this network? You have so much already. You're already so rich. It's not, it can't be a question of money or things like that. Mm-hmm. And his answer in this newspaper story was, I don't want my tombstone to read, he never owned a network. I don't want my tombstone aye, to aye, read, aye. he never owned a network. That was his motivation. So I had asked Maury, what do you want your tombstone to read? And he thought about it for a while, and he didn't give me an answer that day. But eventually he did, on one of the times I came back, and he said, I, I thought about what I would like on my tombstone. And I said, what? And he said, a teacher to the last. And I thought, Boy, was well, that yeah. true. Yeah. Um It was true, and yet, in many ways, he continues to be a teacher. So it's not a teacher to the last because he he goes on. And this is a little bit about what I want to say to you about last words and famous last words. Because we all want to write our own scripts, and we all want to sum up our stories beautifully, neatly, a cherry on the top of the Sunday of the life that we have led. But frequently, life doesn't allow you to do that. I know my mother, for example, who loved words and loved the English language and loved great expressions and loved to talk, was hit with a stroke in her older years and for the last three or four years of her life couldn't even utter a word. And there was no famous last words. I can't tell you what my mother's last words were because... She lived for several years after she slowly stopped talking. So there was no one moment where we, where we heard this wise sentence that we could grasp or, or hang on to. And, you know, right. I've always felt that that was an empty part of my relationship with her, that I, I, I never got to sort of say goodbye or, or hear her wisdom about her saying goodbye to me. It just, we didn't know it was coming. And the strokes are like that. Car accidents are like that. Plane accidents are like that. Someone's here one day and then suddenly gone. Coronavirus has taken people without everyone even having a chance to see them or hold their hands or be in the hospital with them. So as Maury said, if you want to have perfect last words, you better plan on having really good timing because life just doesn't tend to work that way, that in your most lucid moment in understanding your life on earth, you utter the perfect sentence and then your eyes closed and you say mm-hmm. goodbye to the world, as apparently Beethoven got a chance to do. So let me tell you about the conversation that I had with Maury, which turned out to be our last words to one another. Because I think it's very instructive in a meaningful life 
and what you want to be able to say at the end. Remember, it's not the words you choose to say. It's the message behind those words and how truthfully you'll be able to deliver them based on the life that you had led. Everybody might like to say, I gave my best, I tried my hardest, I was the best person I could be. But if you really know as you're saying them that that's not true, I'm not sure that you're leaving this world on the best note. You're going out on a lie. And you're going out on a lie to yourself as well as everyone else. So the first thing is you want whatever you have to say at the end of your life to truly reflect the life that you've led, which means you are preparing for your epitaph right now. You are preparing for your final words right now. You are shaping those final words right now. So when I came into Maury's house on what turned out to be the final Tuesday that I would visit him after many, 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 many weeks of coming every Tuesday and sitting and talking, holding his hand, opining on life and its meaning and what he knew to be important now that he knew he was going to die. The first thing that happened was I walked down to his office where I always met Maury because every morning Maury would have someone lift him out of bed and carry him into his office and put him in the chair so that he would feel like he was working. He mm-hmm. liked that better, even though he was lying down in a long, you know, easy chair and he couldn't move. He couldn't turn his head from side to side. He couldn't, towards the end, couldn't move his arms or legs or even barely a finger. Uh, could barely dart his eyes back and forth. But he felt like he was working, and he had an aphorism. If you're in bed, you're dead. That's what he said. If you're in bed, you're dead. And uh, so he liked to be carried out of bed and put in the office. And I walked down to the office, and I opened the door, and the chair was empty. For the first time in all my visits to Maury, the chair was empty on a Tuesday. And for a moment, I I was freaked out. I I thought, you know, what happened? what's going on, because I had just kind of let myself in. But I stepped back a few steps to his bedroom, and there I saw him in bed. So I knew that we were close to the end, because Maury would never allow himself to be in bed unless there was no alternative. Under the covers of that bed, his body seemed so small, because it was so shriveled from ALS, and and so kind of tightened up almost into a fetal position that it looked like a little boy. It looked like a little boy's body. And just his head was out from under the covers. And I went around to the side of the bed and I took a chair and he looked up at me and, you know, smiled as best as he could. And he asked if I could hold his hand. That was the first thing. And I always remember thinking, wow, that's so interesting that he always wanted his hand held, his feet rubbed. He always wanted a hug and a kiss. I think I've I've talked about this in previous podcasts. And I said to him, you know, you have a disease that kind of numbs you to, you know, physical sensation right. uh, in many ways. And you can't initiate it. You can't initiate a hug, initiate a uh, holding a hand or things like that. Why is it so important for you? to always have this physical touch. And he said, well, Mitch, think about it. When a child comes into the world, what's the thing that that child needs the most? When it first enters the world, 
it needs to be held and hugged, caressed, comforted, right? I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll let you in on a little secret. When you're leaving the world, you need the same things. You need to be held and caressed and comforted. And that's why I ask you to do this. And so asking me on that day in particular and saying, you know, when you're leaving the world, you need this. I knew he was about to leave our world. Right. In a matter of hours, days, whatever. So as I held his hand, he said to me, I want to ask you a favor. Now, of course, at this point in our relationship, I would have done anything for him. He could have asked me to, you know, go outside, run around the block 40 times and, you know, shoot to the moon. I would have tried to do it. I said, sure, anything. And he said, after I'm dead, I want you to come to my grave. And he told me about the grave site that he had picked out, that it was on a hill uh, in this nearby cemetery. Nice spot. And he said, I want you to come and visit me. And I said, all right. I I was going to do that anyhow. He didn't really need to ask me. He said, well, not the way everybody else does. Oh, boy. (laughs) I said, okay. Don't come in your car. Open the door. Leave the engine running. Get out put down some flowers and get back in your car and leave. I want you to come when you have some time. I said, okay. And I want you to bring a blanket, bring some sandwiches, and I want you to talk to me. No. About life, about the Red Sox, about whatever's going on in the world. Right. I want you to talk to me. And I said, okay, wait a minute. I'm trying to be funny. So you want me to come to the cemetery, have a picnic at your tombstone, and talk to the air. Exactly, he said. Just like we're talking now. And I said, well, Maury. I can dig it. (laughs) Yeah. I said, uh, I didn't say I can dig it. I don't think I've ever said I can dig it. (laughs) Ever in my life, I don't think I've ever said I can dig it. (laughs) Uh, I said, Maury, you know, you say you want me to talk to you like we're talking now, but it won't be like we're talking now. Because, let's face it, you won't be able to talk back. And he looked at me as if I were being very naive. And he said, well, Mitch, I'll make you a deal. After I'm dead, you talk, I'll listen. Ah. And I laughed. But that was essentially the last thing that Maury said to me. We had our goodbyes, and I think I said, uh, I think I joked with him that I expect you to be more alert next week when I come, you right. know, teasing him. I expect you to be back in the office, and no more of this uh, slacking off in the bed thing here, Maury. And he just smiled and nodded. But the last really cohesive thought that he shared with me, the last lesson, if you will, that he shared with me was, you talk, I'll listen. And it was about coming to visit him at his tombstone. So this got me thinking about our last words 
and our last conversations. And what was beautiful about what Maury taught me and what was so incredible, really, in its own small way was that he was saying with his last words, these don't need to be our last words. Because if you think about what he said, you talk, I'll listen. Which, by the way, is something that I always felt should be on his tombstone, which I have gone to many times. I would love to have gone to his tombstone and sat down and (laughs) seen this. You talk, I'll listen. Like, okay, yeah. That would be great. Yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, the Peanuts cartoon where they have a psychiatry five cents or whatever on the the, the booth. I forget if it's Lucy or Schroeder or one of those people. Uh, It's a little bit like that. You know, sit down, start talking. Uh, That would be a good thing to be on a tombstone. Sit down, start talking. How great would that be? And just as a quick aside here, like because now what Maury has become to so many people, what a wonderful place. And I know Maury would love it. Like, let's say other people, you know, fans of Maury, people who have, you know, listened to him now through his words and his books and book and everything, um, could just go sit there and talk to him, complete strangers. How much would he love that? I would think he would be totally into that, just having people sit down. Well, there may be people who have done that. I mean, I've I've tried to keep the location private for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, but people find out, and uh, you know, if they're clever enough and want it that much, I'm sure they've gone and visited, and maybe they've tried to do that. But I know that I have many times, and yeah. I have found that it's quite easy. It's quite easy to sit and talk with someone who is gone mm-hmm. if you had the relationship with them like that when you were alive. And this is where Maury's last words come back to the idea that I was talking to you about. You really want your last words to sum up the life that you have actually led and not the one you wished you had led, not the regrets that you have. Well, so when Maury said, you talk, I'll listen. The fact was, he did live a life like that. He led a life of you talk, I'll listen. He led a life of listening to other people. And I've always told people, if you lead your life in a similar way that Maury did when it came to how he treated others, taking time for others, giving of yourself to others, sharing of yourself with others, listening to others. Remember, this is a man who gave every Tuesday of the last months of his life up to a a wayward student like myself who hadn't been in his life for 16 years prior to that. And then here he was saying, come, I'll teach you, I'll talk to you. If you lead your life that way, giving of yourself so selflessly of your time and effort, then when you're gone, you're not 100% gone. You do live on inside the hearts and minds of all the people that you've touched. And you can talk to them and they can talk to you. And I'm not talking about seances or ghostly things, or, oh, I need to reach out to the spirit world. I'm saying that they can talk to you because they can hear your voice. It's inside them. And so all the things that you said to them, all the things that you shared, even that conversation that I just shared with you, where I can still remember how Maury talked and sound, because I remember his voice. It's inside me. And so he's never really left, because... You talk, I'll listen, just means the voice that I'm hearing is his voice that's right. already inside me. I liken it to a, 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 a penny in a piggy bank. If you take a penny 
and you put it inside a piggy bank, for all intents and purposes, it is gone, right? You can never have it again. You can never touch it again. You, you'll never see it again. If you're a kid, it's like gone forever, right? Because you're never going to open mm-hmm. the piggy bank. But if you pick up the piggy bank and you shake it, there it is, right? So a thing mm-hmm. that you can't see and that you can't touch, you can still hear when you shake it up. Well, it's the same way with your loved ones. If they spent time with you giving of themselves sharing of themselves, then when you shake up your heart, you hear their voice reverberating around inside you. And right. so they can talk to you. So when I, I don't have to be at the cemetery to talk to Maury. I can just sit here at the desk I'm at and close my eyes and say, you know, here's the thing that I'm dealing with. Maury, what would you have to say about it? And there's so many sentences in my mind and in my heart that have been floating around that I can kind of hear what he would say, even though he may not have said the exact words to the exact situation that I have right now. You know, I can remember my mother telling me she had little, her aphorisms of her own. She used to say, the masses are asses. That was uh, one of her favorite (laughs) ones. And she'd giggle because she, you know, was a curse word to her, you know, asses. Oh, yeah. The masses are asses. And, And how many times in my life when I have, maybe written something or commented on something, done something and, 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 and didn't get the response that I wanted or, you know, the public took it the wrong way or something like that, you know, uh, or I took a hard position on something that I had to stand up for something that other people easily could knock down. Um, right. or, or anybody who's done social media and come out with a brave statement of any kind and been lambasted for it. Yeah, You know, how many times I heard my mom say, the masses are asses, you know, don't worry about it. And it gave me comfort. You know, uh, how many times over the course of my life when friends or people I thought were my friends let me down, did something that really disappointed me, proved that they really weren't good friends, I would remember my mother saying to me, if you go through life with two good friends, you're going to be lucky. And one of them you should marry. You know, and 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 huh. that's kind of what I did. You know, my my wife is my best friend. And how many times I have heard my mom's sentence in my head, even though she's not here to say it again. How many times I've heard Maury say so many things to me. Giving is living and uh, death ends a life, but not a relationship. How many times have people when I who have passed and I've lost in my life, um, I hear him say that those words, you know. Uh, death ends a life, but not a relationship. The relationship goes on, and it's given me comfort. And it's as if I'm talking to Maury, and he's he's patting my shoulder, and he's saying, don't worry, right. death ends a life, not a relationship. So mm-hmm. when someone says, you talk, I'll listen, after they're gone, what they really mean is, I gave you enough of myself while I was here that you can find me inside you. And when you find me inside you, I'll be talking to you, and you can talk to me. And when you talk back, I'll be listening because I'm still all around you. And I prove I found that to be so true. And as a result, it didn't really matter what Maury's last words were. It just it's ironic that to me that was kind of his last sentence because what he was sort of saying is, "Don't worry about what the last sentence is. I'm going to say mm-hmm. here on Earth because it's not going to be our last sentence." We're going to have many more sentences together right? because you're going to hear me. 
I'm going to be with you. I'm sure this has happened with you, Lisa, with your mom or some loved ones that you hear her voice resonate. It comes back up. Or sometimes, does this ever happen to you? You say something and you go, oh, my God, I sound just like my mother. Always, every day. When I hear my voice back, like when I hear like our podcast, I always think, oh, my goodness, I sound just like my mom. Like there's Mm. things that come out of me that are exactly her. You know, Mm. here's a really this is a quick sort of funny story. When my mom was dying, I said to her, "Um, you know, I might want to get a tattoo, you know, just on my wrist. And I said, give me something, you know, poignant that I can remember you by. Think of something. I said, you have a couple days. You can think about it. Took her no time at all. She goes, don't get a tattoo. You'll get hepatitis. <laughs> that was, so that's that what was you had tattooed on your, on your hand? Don't get a I tattoo. You'll get it. hepatitis. Yeah, I know. I actually got it etched on a bracelet. And oh, okay. I, um, I wear the bracelet now. because I thought It would be, um, it would not be good to, uh, put that on my arm because yeah. my mom would, I'm sure, give me the whammy from yeah. the other side. <laughs> and well, I would at some point in your life, some young person is going to ask you about a tattoo and you're going to say, <laughs> don't get a tattoo, you'll get hepatitis. You get hepatitis. <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's something to the fact, I think, God in his infinite, amazing wisdom of the design of a human being, that we inherit not only the looks uh, from our parent because let's face it we don't have to i mean animals don't necessarily when a, 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 a you know animal comes out doesn't necessarily look like its mom or dad <clears throat> but mm-hmm. we do and we inherit their voices and i think it's part of the grand design of us remembering where we came from uh and being able to remember our parents in particular so in my case I have a a fairly deep voice, especially when I get up in the morning. And my dad had a really deep voice. And as I got uh, older, got into my 20s or 30s, um, my voice began, you know, started to lower even more and even more and got down to, you know, I can really get down there and wake up in the morning, could Mm -hmm. be down there and down there. And really close to my father's. Um, And when people would call the house and I would pick up the phone and say, hello, you know, like my dad, they'd go, Ira, because that was his name. And I'd say, no, this uh-huh. is Mitch. Oh, Mitch, Mitch. So I realized I had this ability to sound like my father. So then I would start to do it deliberately when I would come visit them and pick up the phone. Hello, right. my dad would say. And when I would call him at his office, my dad would pick up the phone and he would always say, album speaking. And I would always say, mm-hmm. album speaking, back oh, to him. And he'd say, hi, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. And I'd say, hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. And he'd say, okay, knock it off. And I, <laughs> that was it. You know. <laughs> but I used to actually mirror him. And we used to have fun with it. And, and sometimes, right. towards the end of, of, his, of his life, uh, we used to do little competitions, you know, like who could actually sound more like him, him or me, you know, and he would say something, I would say something, the family would right. be very amused. <laughs> but in its that's own fun. way, in its own way, that's how you hold on to your loved ones, you know, you do sound like them. You do remember their voice. You can hear their voice. Sometimes you can sound like their voice if you're talking about your parents. And and yeah. that's not an accident. That is how we retain the words and the sounds of the people that we love. And so when Maury said, you talk, I'll listen, that really, to me, that was a tombstone epitaph. That was even better than a teacher to the last because yeah. it embodies what being a teacher is, right? You talk, I'll listen. 
Uh, you ask me questions, I'll tell you something. And that's what Maury did. So when you're contemplating, you know, all right, you're going to leave the world and I'm getting older. Uh, I want to think about what I want to say. I want to, I want to have it right in front of me, maybe on my bedstand. Don't worry about it. Mm-mm. It's less important that you have, you know, a sentence like, uh, I don't know, Frank Sinatra died saying, I'm losing it. I'm not right. really sure that's what oh, I geez. want. Yeah. Well, uh, how about Steve Jobs? Did you hear his words were, I mean, you couldn't have planned it, but he said, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. Yeah. To me, that's like, wow. Like, right. What was he seeing? Right. But that was yeah. nothing he could have planned. Harriet Tubman, apparently, in dying, uh, she sang with her family, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, and that was the last uh, word she said. Oh. Yeah. Um, Leonardo da Vinci apparently said, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. That was Leonardo da Vinci. Oh, poor Leonardo. Right. He beat himself up, right. didn't he? He did. And so why... Uh, why worry about these types of sentences when the most important thing is the sentences that people will remember you buy after you're gone? Those are not going to be necessarily the last thing you uttered. They're going to be all the things you uttered before the last thing you uttered. Mm-hmm. All the things you said and shared, all the kindness that you showed, all the love and caring and, and, and probing and and comforting that you gave somebody with your words and your actions before you died, before you died. So really, if you want to have the best last words, make sure that your current words with the people that you love are the things that you want to say and that you're giving of yourself and your time and your effort and your love to them. And your last words won't ever be your last words because they'll be remembering all the things that you say now for years and years to come. As I, here I am 25 years later, still able to mimic Maury and remember things very specifically that he said, because they're so cemented in my heart. Right. You talk, I'll listen. You talk, I'll listen. Remember that as a, as a, as a way to, as a, as a North star to sort of sail your life towards. And if you can get, to that point where the people who you love will be able to hear you in their hearts, then you've led a good life. And you don't have to worry about timing of your famous last words. That's going to do it for today's program. We do this program once a week. And if you'd like to get in on our conversation, wetuesdaypeople.com is the website. You can find out more about the show, chat and interact with other people who listen to the show and Uh, share some thoughts with us that we periodically bring into the show as well. Lisa, I want to thank you. I'm glad to have you back along and glad that you're feeling healthy and everybody can continue to write Lisa and see how she's doing because that makes her (laughs) feel well. Even if she's doing better. I love our people. Yes, she likes some people call in and say, how you doing, Lisa? I love our people. Can do the same to me. I love our Tuesdays. Yeah. Me too. And uh, until we meet again next time, uh, Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People.